now, um, we, we do have um, two genuine UK call superstars because the only so far um, is engagement shortly to be wedding of people who actually met on the UK call in chat box. <laughs>
there's a bit of there's a ridge that goes from the Mount of Olives towards Mount Scopus, and it goes past a junction. And the Israeli army had taken a wrong turn, and they'd a low loader with a armored vehicle on it, and they'd got it jackknifed at the junction in the middle of the Palestinian area, and they were panicking because they didn't want to assemble a whole crowd of rock-throwing youths. They were a bit nervous. I thought it was a bit funny. I mean, they were heavily armed, right? I didn't have, and, and there was like shopkeepers and kids. There was no problem at all. So I thought this was quite funny and started to film them. And they clocked me. You, stop it. I can do what I like, it's a free country. No, it's not, it's Israel. <laughs> That's what he said. He said, well, it's a free country where I come from. I was stretching a point for uh, reasons of argumentation, right? Where did you come from? Scotland. And the reaction was, see these people, right? And he was pointing at shopkeepers and kids and women with prams and things. See these people. These are the people that did 9-11. No, they're not. Right? So you see the prejudice, right? It's also true that I've had pizza in a pizza parlor that was suicide bombed with Jewish teenagers having their body parts plastered all over the street. I've heard two bombs go off in Israel, in Jerusalem, from Palestinian terrorists. So when you say, when people say you're too pro-Jewish or you're too pro-Palestinian, the honest answer is yes. I, um, I've seen beautiful people. I've seen people with dignity and compassion in Orthodox um, Jewish Israel in Jerusalem. I've seen similar people in the Palestinian part of East Jerusalem and, and elsewhere. I've spoken to a Palestinian, I, I've spoken to an Israeli Arab, right? So Israeli Arab who admits that yes, the entire state of Israel, which is his state, it's his government, is prejudiced against the Arab population. They get less money on road infrastructure, they get less money on schooling, they get less money on everything. So there's, yes, there's institutional prejudice against, against me in my own country. He also said, but I'd rather be here than in any of the Arab countries round about. Take from that what you will. It's complicated. I think that's all I've got to say on that one. Any more from the break? Two people said, I really want, uh, two people came up with questions that were so difficult. I said, uh, ask, ask after the break. So, who, where are they? Like, I want to come up to the front and. Fully vaccinated and fully compliant. 
That's one for Alex. Decided we didn't like the rule of God and we wanted to rule ourselves. 
And it's about redeeming mankind from the horror show that we then created by the, the evil in our own hearts. How can that possibly be the basis of always having to obey your civil rules? It doesn't make any sense. And it's really annoying. <laughs> or more succinctly, the preacher I heard last Sunday said that Christianity is based on knowledge of self, knowledge of need, and knowledge of a saviour. Right? None of those three points is preached in most British churches. There is feeling about self, there is something about need, but not an eternal need, and there's very little about a saviour. There was one gentleman as well who said he had a question. I said, uh, was it? Was, was, was there another question for after half time? I know one. Uh, it was another question on democracy. And I think the gentleman's called Paul. And he wanted to ask about Switzerland democracy. Uh, it wasn't actually a question, it was just. Um, don't give up on the idea of democracy. Just the right. There is a good democracy. Switzerland used to be a fantastic example. They had the, the most democratic constitution. Well, can you imagine a country where, okay, it's a small one, it's easy to do. 16 cantons, separate cantons, each with their own government. Four different languages. Yeah? Each canton has its own constitution. And the, all those constitutions, but in particular the one from the canton of Zurich, which I read and um, was so impressed by years ago that I translated it, it puts all the power with the voters, with the ordinary people. Now, unfortunately, today, there's nothing much left of that. Switzerland is run. It's, it's interesting, the central government is seven people from four different political parties. That's already pretty, pretty more, much more democratic than we have here, where we vote every what, four or five years and then they say, ah, piss off now. Um, come back in five years and, and vote for me again. I've made all sorts of promises which I have no, no intention of keeping. Yeah, that's our system. Um, <clears throat> so, seven, but those seven people now see themselves. They're basically, they're not, they're not different at all. There may be one or two who are slightly more democracy, but what's happened is that they they've <coughs> taken on too much power, and they they just do they just make decisions, just like governments everywhere else. I would say there are no genuine democracies in the world. Genuine the, the characteristic of democracy is that decisions are taken at the lowest possible level, closest to the people that that are affected by the decision. Now in Britain. There used to be parish councils that could make local decisions and then town councils. What's happened? That, that system has concentrated into mega corporations. And as, as you well know um, from UK column, there are now agencies and bodies that have immense power and they have no democratic um, legitimacy whatsoever. But don't give up on the idea of democracy. There are many points of comparison between the Swiss and the Scots historically, 
and it has to do with largely being in isolated pockets, having to cooperate well with the community or valley level without becoming each other's bosses, and frankly holding each other to account and having a, you know, a good old cry for your neighbours if they're doing less work than you and you know, getting put more out of the communal pot. So it's, it's, uh, you know, it's remaining alert um, to the, to the um, issues of being defrauded by others. Um, what else to say about them? The Swiss have a very understand, good understanding of the depravity, to use an old-fashioned word, the depravity of the human heart as well. They didn't have knowledge there, they had Sweden, but in the Catholic areas too, historically they understood that people will get very depraved very quickly if you don't keep them in check. Right? And that doesn't involve having a great big boss over them, but, but keeping them in check in, in the right ways. So again, um, knowledge yourself. Right? If you do not know who you are, then you're inclined to every kind of evil wickedness and folly. Alex mentioned uh, cacistocracy, rule by Turks. And the other one that you need to know is cryptocracy, which is rule by those hidden. And we've got a lot of that going on as well. And you have a question? Well, I wanted to ask a broad geopolitical question, um, which is um, how do you think the Great Reset is going? <laughs> and do you think that it's all going to plan and that by 2030 or to, you know, 2050 it's going to be um, communism and neo-feudalism and mass surveillance or do you think, I mean it's great to see this turn out here but we all know that it's a difficult job getting the message over and I just kind of want to know what you're you very despairing about it, and um, and also I do understand when I when I speak to some friends and family, and I do kind of tell them what, what I've just said about you know communism and feudalism and you know and digital ideas and CBDC. They are like <laughs> it really does sound like such a mad mad plan. So the fact that they think it's mad when I say that, I kind of think yeah it is, but it's true. So yes, um, that's what I wanted. It's great if you can have thought there was some resistance. And also, as a side to that, uh, obviously I've, I've listened to Ian Davis and read his, his work. I'm still not sure what your take is on the uh, the geopolitical bands between um, America, Russia, and China, especially Russia and Ukraine war. You know, with with the part whatever. So I know it's very broad, but anyway. <laughs> Thank you. On, on the Great Reset, um, I, I love it with these, with reset in Scots law is the crime of, of having stolen goods and distributing stolen goods. So it, it's so well named, right, the Great Reset. Um, I think it's going very badly. We keep changing the date because it was Agenda 20... And we're now 2030, and that's the mission that's not going too well. Now, let me give you, I think, one, at least one cause for hope. The, the Great Reset team have got complete compliance by every 
an institution that you care to name. The Scottish Parliament, sure. Westminster, less solidly, but they've got it. And if you go through the institutions, particularly the cultural institutions in this country, it's just a sea of surrender monkeys, right? They've all yielded. But they've still got a long way to go. And they've got many, many problems because their, their advance depends on deception and keeping things hidden. And although they've got essentially unlimited money, and they've got a very compliant and weak civil service and all the rest of it who will do whatever they're told, they've got to tell them what to do. So they actually have to communicate. And the more they communicate, the stronger we get. Because we take their communication, we put it on UK column news, and we go to our relatives who thought we were mad, and we go, see? Right? How much harm has the advert which said from uh, World Economic Forum, you will own nothing and be happy. How much damage has that done? And why has it done damage? Because it's true. Every time they tell the truth, they hold their own case below the waterline. But they have to tell the truth at some point because they've got to command lots of people and tell them what to do. They have a problem. Now we saw this with the name person tyranny in Scotland because we had, when I watched the name person campaign, the, the, the engine room of the name cam person campaign was two women who were researching and were magnificent. Right? And you then had um, an organisation who was getting that information out there. That was it. And that took on the entire Scottish state and kicked the backsides. States trying to communicate with the people that were going to apply the tyranny, the no to name person campaign got the video or got the documents, and that was their next splash, and it was in the press. And, and the Scottish government was, oh no, we didn't quite mean that well, we can't get Right, so the, 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 the point was the, the, the campaign said, well, you're lowering the threshold at which you can intervene in family life. Oh no, that's, that's a conspiracy theory, right? So they went away, the campaign went away, and they got the training video, which was online. And the woman stood there and said, now, we are, she actually did the behind signals, now, we are lowering the threshold at which we can intervene in family, <laughs> right? What about that then? They, they, they went to the Scottish Youth Parliament, so the, the campaign was saying, it's like you're putting this state official above the parents in family life. Oh no, we're not doing that. That's a, that's a wild conspiracy. It's not crazy. They went to the Scottish Youth Parliament. It's a youth Parliament, they had to use fairly simple and clear language so the kids would understand. And they said to the kids, you children, you're, you're delicate flowers. All of the adults in your life, they're like gardeners and they've got to tend you. But the named person, that's the head gardener nailed by their own documentation over and over and over again. Was so, one more actually a training video of uh, how to cope with cases that were threshold for reporting to the main person. Do you remember this? And there was a teacher after hours in this training video 
calling around the people either the council or someone not directly involved in teaching and saying with a smile on my face, I know I'm not allowed to share this information, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> that was in the training video about the same time as those when he was being called idiots for saying that information would be shared against the law. So they, their problem is they have to communicate their evil plan to the minions, right? They've got lots of minions, but they have to tell them what to do. And the more they tell them what to do, the more we can see what they're actually up to. So they have a major hurdle. And there will still be problems, but that team, they're not as bright as they reckon they are. And also they're sloppy, right? Because it's a fixed game and they always win, so they get sloppy. And it's amazing how much damage you can do when someone gets sloppy. So Definitely. Russia. I know this is going to be a question, I don't stay, but first of all, we're asked second half of the question about Russia. Oh, yeah. sorry, I beg your pardon. Yeah. Yeah. If I may. Um, sorry, I've still got a couple of peanuts, but. Uh, <laughs> there's more than one deep state in each of the top ranked powers in the world. Right? There's the owners of private wealth, who tend to be in the hedge funds, and if it's a capitalist country, and just whether I'm a central bank and tell the politicians what to do, and there's the globalists. And in a democracy or a communist country, they tend to be in the civil service. Right? So we had in our own civil service at Westminster level split between the Marxist-Central faction, which was EU and China all the way, and the Sir Richard Dialogue faction, which was the Anglos all the way. Right? They were diametrically opposed to each other on subjects such as what to do about Scotland, you know, which has always been a big thing in Westminster, what do we use it? So um, that has gone on and on. Uh, there's no unity within them. So the best people to listen to right now is an Italian guy in Cardiff, an academic called Fabio Bighi, B-I-G-H-I. He's listened to, he gives regular interviews with Jesse Zurawell in New Jersey. On, um, if you come across TNT Radio, today's news talk radio, it's now set up by Dolores Cavanaugh, but he's got round the clock truth radio. You know, for the first time we have worldwide what the Americans intelligent truth talk radio throughout the day because of all these presenters and Jesse Durrell's show on there is called Perspective. Fabio E is very strongly making the point you know, that, um, the, that, the, that there's a, a large faction of the Russian and Chinese deep state that's very keen to get the children jabbed. Belarus who, you know, even the separatist parts of Ukraine, the Donetsk and Lugansk people's republics in the middle of being shelled by the Ukrainians, they're insisting on jabbing children. You know, it's, it's going on the face. So, there's always a network of that. And at the other end of the scale, with this another American podcaster is needed, Tom Luongo, whose podcast is called Gold, Goats and Guns. He's pointing out that the Americans who are more in the private wealth and the banking, you know, the existing commercial banking arrangements, are cutting Europe loose. And they are beginning to pin the blame for this great reset, I would say quite accurately, on Europeans, both continental and British, European blue bloods, who are determined to run America as colonists. Again, and of course, if you bring through central bank digital currencies, whether or not it involves wars, it certainly involves collapsing the mega trillion banks, right? And America is still, in some ways, solvent in the way that we're not for very, very many reasons that we're brought into. So you're right to ask about America as distinct from Europe in this, because America is on the verge of cutting Europe loose, you know, and, and, and Europe would go under financially, I think, even quicker than America. That's at least as important as you know whether, whether the next war is going to come from. Taiwan or, or, or the Ukrainian direction. Anything to add on that? Did I come in there, David? Uh, this is a revelation. My cousin's, uh, my cousin's son has been over there for three months. He's been China and Taiwan. 
that's one example where things are not quite as they seem. Okay? And then the question is also about the difference between government and parliament. Well, at least there's some people around who still don't know the difference between the two. Parliament is supposed to be us holding the government to account. That's what a legislature is. Yeah? It's not part of the state as such, nor are the courts supposed to be part of the state. So when you see parliamentarians or indeed judges being corrupted by SRA staff, they have already actually been pulled out of their due role. So historically there was much more of it in the government as in the executive, and also I'm afraid to say in the churches. But it has spread extremely far and wide. And just last night I was speaking to a very conservative Christian clergyman and saying, of course you know that this is happening in the Young Hebrides, don't you? And a couple of years ago I would have just got, you know, get away with you, but just sorely, sadly enough that this happened, said, I'm sad to hear, you know. Very few people who historically would have said, I don't believe that, are still saying I don't believe that. So the very fact the question asked kind of gives the answer really that this is extremely permeating to uh, every walk of life, high and low. It's a big self-protection racket. So you can have underclass people and you know um, people with no visible means of support in the same club as people like you know the prime minister. I'm not saying the current one, but there have been SRA prime ministers, Teddy. That's not not a long conspiracy theory, and they've been they've been looking up. So you shouldn't be looking at the walk of life, you should be looking at allegiances which cut across people's dangers. Yeah, that's exactly right. We, we come across cases where people who seem to be down and out, people with, you know, no job, no assets, no power, and oddly they're untouchable. They seem to be above the law. They have some hope somewhere. This is this is a sign. Um, the leading expert of Scotland on this is um, Lottie Matthews of uh, a, a series of charities based in Dundee, one uh, called, or until recently called, Is It's Promise. Um, and she was explaining how the networks work. She said, I'm not saying that there's a conspiracy. It's just that survivors of Satan's ritual abuse are amazingly unlucky. The example. So we get we spring someone from a, an abuse network, right? So we, it's usually, except from that chart, it's usually a girl. Sometimes it's kids. They, so, so we get them out, and they need somewhere to live. So there's an application made to the council for accommodation, and a flat is produced, and and they go along, and um, well, firstly the application goes in. And it's, there's no response. Another application goes in, there's no response. So then the applicant goes down with their counsellor and hands the application in with a witness. Then there's a response. So then they're off the house and they go on to see the house and it's a ruin, right? It's way below tolerable standard. It's a mess. It's completely unlivable. So like, I can't live in this. Oh, look, I'm very sorry. It's, it's an administrative error. Uh, you should never have been offered this house, you're quite right. We'll get you another house offered. So a couple of weeks have passed, and another house is offered. It's worse than the first. Same process goes on. Oh, we're terrible, so it's never happened before. Twice, so it's terrible. We'll get you another offer, and they go along, and this one's got no bathroom, no toilet, no nothing, no gas, no power. I can't live here, oh, we're terribly sorry. They then get a letter, and you turn down three houses. Uh, you are now intentionally homeless, so we have no more responsibility to house you. So they then go down with the councillor and with their MP. 
and it's all sorted out. And eventually we'll get something to live. And then a little while later there'll be something else to need, and it's the same again. Now, what, what the people is he's promised saying is we've seen this time and time again. We see it all the time. They used to report the crimes to the police. They don't anymore. Because what would happen is a girl and her kids are escaping an abusive situation. And it's satanic. Right? So it's reported to the police. And initially the response is very sympathetic. And then, no, no, no. You have mental health issues. Satanism. No, you're a danger to your own children. So the children are taken off. A few weeks go past, who do the children get put with? The abuser. Now, if it happened once or twice, you could say, well, maybe that's a coincidence, but this is a part of it. So it got to the point that they said, listen, is there someone in the world you can trust? The answer is yes, so right. Get the kids, don't say anything to anyone about where you're going, go, don't tell them. Because you can't trust the networks. Now it doesn't take many corrupt people in a network like that if they're corrupt in such a way that they're absolutely controlled. And this is the thing about the SRA networks. We've all got the evidence on one another and the, the, the ring will remain absolutely solid. One SRA survivor said to me that what we should do is we should say in any, in any given SRA pedophile ring, the first person to turn state's evidence gets off scot-free and everyone else goes to jail. I actually think that's not a bad idea. But at the moment, these networks exist. Um, and Alex is right to go across um, all boundaries of, of race, religion, uh, class, authority. They, they, they transcend all of these. And you start seeing very strange things happening start getting suspicious that you might be interacting with, with a network of that type. Okay, dokie, what have we got? We've got five minutes. Okay, um, well just kind of on the back of what you were saying there, um, I think we probably all agreed that we're in a war. Um, I would say that primarily it's a spiritual war, but also an information war, probably other things, ways that we describe it. So my question is, what does victory look like? I actually did a talk for one of the Alternative View events, which I entitled The Victorious Mindset. That sounds nice, doesn't it? But that's not where the title ends. The Victorious Mindset for the Long Haul. Huh? And I told people in that talk that they should be prepared to suffer and die and not see any victory themselves. That's the core of what I'd like to say for the time now, but um, victory looks like actually surviving with our way of life relatively intact. It might be that part, only part of every community or part of every country ends up looking recognisably as it was. But if part of us, some of us survive uh, and actually thrive, not just exist, to me that's victory, because if you're in a total war against the God of this world, which is how the Bible describes Satan, then that you've obviously been supernaturally helped uh, through all that. So it doesn't sound very promising when I put it that way. But yeah. Uh, well, I would agree with that. I mean, I think ultimate victory is, when, is, is, is with the return of the king. Yeah. Um, and, and in between then, now, well, 
he who endures to the end, the same shall be saved, so you endure. Um, but there's a few other wrinkles. Um, firstly, I say this often to people who are under attack and who are trying to get justice by campaigning. Don't do it. Right? You will not get justice in an unjust world. You will not reform the system that is abusing you. What you've got to do is you've got to be absolutely crystal clear. What is the minimum you can get? What minimum you can take and continue with your life? What's your absolute bottom line? Right? If your child has been stolen with a state, is your bottom line, I must have the child back? Is your bottom line, I must make sure the child's safe? Two things are different. You have to decide what your bottom line is. What's the minimum? If you're under attack and you don't campaign, you don't say anything about anything other than your case, because you're on whistleblower groups. And then if you get your life back together, you get the state out of your life and you restore some sort of stability, you then fight for the person next to you, right? You don't campaign when you're the target. So that's one thing. What does victory look like? Sometimes it's either a bottom line of which my life can continue in an acceptable fashion. If I achieve that, that's victory. Another thing, there are lots of little victories. And enjoy them, right? There are many, right? I, I, I met Nicholas Sturgeon one time. And I, and, I, and, I, and I said to her, it was, a, it was this question about the Scottish soldiers who had been murdered in Ireland, and um, John Mason had been particularly iffy about, he was talking about freedom fighters in connection with the IRA, it went down badly, it transpired that the relatives of those soldiers who were campaigning to try and find out how they died, and who killed them, were his constituents they didn't know. So I asked her about this and asked her uh, what she could do. So I thought, I'm very well prepared. Like, hit the button, download speech about, you know, her, her global um, political position. And I said, that's, that's lovely, First Minister, but you know what they say, talk is cheap. What are you actually going to do? And you never saw anyone's face change faster. That was a little bit, a tiny bit, but it was. You're forcing to do something. Um, when you expose a bit of a lie, when you get information out there, when you demonstrate to somebody else how the world actually works, all of these things, even just having the, 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 the ability to stand up and speak the truth, all of these are victories. Saul Zanitskin said, you know, live not by lies. And he said, never accept the truth. If you, if, uh, never accept lies. If you can't if you're in a position where you feel too vulnerable and you can't say the truth and someone starts up and lying to you, leave. If it's in the newspaper, don't read it. Don't compromise with lies. Those two are victories. So ultimately, the, the final victory is not ours, but a whole lot of little victories on, along the way will be. And when the moment comes, the people who will rally to the king will achieve a victory. It won't be theirs, but they'll be part of it. So, well, I hope all of you will be part of that. One strong image on that that comes to mind. Every five years, the Estonians, a nation that lost something like 20% of their population to Stalin, 
uh, had a national song festival to mark the fact that they're, they're not all dead, basically. <laughs> um, 2014, I went to sing in this quinquennial song festival. I, I um, asked them, is it all right for an honest audience to sing on the stage? And they said, yes, but you must wear cute. <laughs> and they sing from like 3 p.m. till midnight, and then do it again all day. But it's ridiculous. But anyway, all of this song fest, right? I, the, the time they got by far the most emotional. It's a very taciturn people, so it's quite shocking now. I think lots of tears. This song, you won't be able to take the name down. It's Talenda uh, Mesipuwe, which means flying back to the hive. You'll probably find this song if you search on YouTube. Just for emotional stuff. Song or something like that. Uh, but the words are about a colony of bees. Right? They're trying to make it back to the hive. And why are they lots of tears? Because the chorus says, not all of them will make it, but we're all trying to get there. Yeah? And that was to them the sweetest victory of all under Stalin and many other moments uh, of the tyranny that they faced, is that they didn't stop flying. <laughs> Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm afraid we really are out of time. We've actually overstayed our time a little bit. I want to thank you very much for coming out tonight. It's been lovely to meet you all. Uh, the questions have been excellent. I hope you've enjoyed it. And uh, I hope when we run another one of these next time we get Alex or one of the team up, we'll, we'll run another one. I hope you'll join us again. So thank you very much.